Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Jeff Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me, my sister from another mister, the often imitated and never equaled Lisa fucking Murphy. How you doing, Lisa Murphy? I'm good. I am really, really good. I'm coming to you from my, um, I can't call it a studio because you're like more studio-esque than I am, but I am coming to you from my new office, which I have been waiting years for. Um, so that's, that's kind of exciting. And, um, I just was excited. It was like the comeback tour and, and off you, 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 <laughs> leave the house you, and, you leave the house and go to an office. I leave the house and go to another house in the neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, no dude, for reals. I have space. I was able to get rid of all the stuff in the storage unit, bring it here, start sorting through everything. Um, it, it has been, worth the price of admission 100% to feel like I'm getting all of those ducks in a row purging. I'm like, if we hadn't not been in, in chatting with each other, I mean, I would do a deep dive into how important it is to throw shit away. Oh but maybe yeah. We, we, do that we just, <laughs> uh, we just passed the, the, uh, the snug anniversary, our first, uh, the end of our first year here at the snuggery and, and did a pruning because, you know, you move in someplace and you, you got all the stuff, and then you don't want to go through all the stuff and you put some stuff away and think, well, if I don't use this stuff in blah, 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 then I'll go through it again. And so we had a bunch of stuff that sat around and was untouched for a year. And it was like, oh, time for you to go. Yeah, um, I, I think of it. I think of it as uh, preparing for death because uh, oh, um, well, I don't want to leave a hoarder situation for anybody to clean up with. That that has been. Well, since my dad died, now it's almost a year ago. Um, that's big time. I mean, I'm, you know, seeing what my brothers went through, helping my mom clean out the house, getting the house ready to be sold, and just all of the collection of just stuff after stuff after stuff. And 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 you know, it's like it's just stuff. And then when you're actually having to touch every single piece of it. I've been doing the same thing, dude. It's like the Swedish death purge. I'm like, and I don't have kids, right? So I'm like, who's who's it gonna be? And we already know that if you're the boss of me, my estate, that you're just gonna light it all on fire. Like we've already had that. Big, big fucking bonfire. <laughs> and, and so I was like, you know what? I am going to be doing some people a favor. I got rid of 19 boxes of old files that had been in storage. Like then you start thinking, I have been paying for this stuff to be sitting around. And and oh, it was it's it's been so cathartic since January, January of 2024. Uh it, it's like I'm getting my house literally, but metaphorically, I'm getting my house in order 
Um, instead of thinking about that someday when I'm going to go through the storage, like I did it. I brought everything here, went through boxes at a time, pitched tons of stuff, giving some stuff, I think, the light of day, if that makes sure. sense. I had a doll collection that hadn't seen the light of day since probably 2001. You know, so all the dolls are just out. I don't think I'm going to display them, but like maybe I just need to like be with them for a couple months before I either pitch them or donate them or whatever. Pablo will not come into the house because of all the dolls that are in there. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, it's kind of a creepy doll lady situation. It's a total creepy doll lady situation. And, and he's just, he's focused on the three cabbage patch dolls. He's like, you know, you can sell those, you know, you can sell those. you got the birth certificates <laughs> and the original clothes. I'm like, you know what, right now I just need to be with it and then, you know, do something with it. And I I mean, I, I mean, not necessarily that this is amazing pod content for the listeners, but it is, I think, the sidebar and the link to early childhood is that we collect stuff and often we just don't realize the emotional attachment that we have to stuff. I mean, you and I remember back at that play intervention that we did in Wisconsin and, you know, everything sure. they're like, everything out of your classroom and you're not able to put it back in until you can articulate who it's for and why you still have it. And I, in essence, did that to my own self when I set up my office. I, I held myself to that same kind of filtering and pruning. And, you know, it might sound total airy-fairy, but when you clear space like that and get rid of that, like, like, I had been stuck with some of my writing projects and I I'm I'm not anymore because I literally now have room to to think and to process and to create. And I'm just I'm just absolutely loving it. Well, I yeah, I've, I've been kind of doing that uh digitally. I was going I got, you know, for the Playvolution HQ website, I've got I've, I've got a hundred and close to 200 uh posts in draft mode. Um, because I have an idea and I think of it, and I make notes and, and then I move on to something else and have another idea and think of things and make notes. And, and so this morning I was actually pruning some things out like, eh, I'm never, I'm never fucking going to finish that. And yeah. so yeah. I hit delete and then I'll feel, I'll feel shitty about it for about 45 minutes that, oh, I should have finished that. And then I'll forget it ever existed and, exactly. and life will, life will be better. So it's not only pruning that, that physical stuff out of your life but but even some of the digital stuff some of the even some of the i mean letting go of old ideas and those kind of things can can make things a little bit easier as well yeah yeah holding on too tight like clearly at this point if i've i was actually joking with nerd about it i'm like you know the, <laughs> i've been i've been forwarding like update linkedin or get rid of it on my planner for like five years now. Like clearly you're not gonna do anything with it. So, and I agree with you probably is when you hit like delete the account, there's gonna be, it'll be the first time in 20 years that somebody emails and says, I tried to find you on LinkedIn, you know? And then I'll be like, ah, did I do a wrong thing? I was reactive, like, no, you're not react. Like move it aside, make room, make room for what is next instead of holding on to stuff just because it had become you know, familiar or something you thought you were going to get to and like totally getting rid of that self, like beating up of yourself for deciding, you know, for a while, I really thought I was going to pursue project X, Y, and Z. And I really had a lot of good energy for it. And I really felt good about carving out time to pursue that. But obviously it's not that important because I haven't done it. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. 
time and in my brain i i see <laughs> i do control alt delete like uh, there are some things that it's just time to control alt delete um instead of procrastinating and then never got getting to stuff so i know we've touched on this topic through the years and in the past but um i i think there are certain things that that constantly come back into our lives also because you know, we're ready to maybe revisit them. Right. So a 10 year purge, like it was time, it was time. And my dad's death was mm -hmm. of course, you know, the kickstart and the impetus for that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know, this is the first time I feel like it feels good that I'm doing it. It wasn't out of a sense of duty or obligation, or I really got to clean the closet. It was like, it's time. It, it's, yeah. it's time. And um, yeah, so there's that. So uh, we're recording this on on Valentine's Day. You got any uh, any no. wild uh, romantic Valentine's Day no. stuff going on? Pablo Pablo hates Valentine's Day. <laughs> he, so, uh, he, he but I'm, you know, uh, in his defense, he laid his cards on the table. Like this was this is the seven year anniversary of that day that I changed my flight and surprised him and came down. And uh -huh. when he came and picked me up at the airport, he was like, "Just so you know, I don't do Valentine's Day." So like, if that was an issue. For me, I, I've long, like you've, you've had plenty he, of time to, I've had plenty of time to, to, to shit or get off the pot because he put his cards on the table and uh, yeah. So no, we don't. Yeah. We, <laughs> I, I'm making a romantic traditional Valentine's day, uh, corned beef and cabbage okay. uh, for, for lunch today. So that's going on. And then and yesterday I'm headed, I'm popping to the shops and uh, I asked Tasha, you know, uh, going to the shop, you want me to, want me to pick up something sexy? And, uh, and she paused and said, for you to wear <laughs> and challenge accepted. I said, well, that hadn't been my intention, but okay. And so, uh, I tried to do that and that was awkward. And so I came home with a spool of red ribbon. Oh God. Jeff. And, uh, this morning I greeted her with the red ribbon and it was a very romantic morning here at the snuggery um, um so, so valentine's thanks, day taken care for of that. for the year <laughs> oh god that's funny yeah no i i mean i i gave him a card and uh uh he, 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 has he grunted that, <laughs> he like he, uh. Well, he came downstairs and I was making breakfast because Wednesdays are his early morning days. To, he has to like leave like at the butt crack of dawn. And uh, I was like, hey, did you open your card? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why not? And he's like, because I didn't get you one. And I'm like, I knew you weren't going to get me one. It's not like I'm sitting here like now. Now, if this afternoon he comes in with with something, I will be completely floored. But what do we what do we know about relationships? relationships start going south because of unmet expectations. And I, you know, so I have, I, I don't have that expectation. So I'm not going to get pissed off or anything or passive aggressive about it because my expectation is that it's just another Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the reason I, I mean, that's the reason our relationship works because Tasha has very, 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 very <laughs> low expectations. Um, and, uh, and I can, I can live up to her very, very low expectations a, 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 a good enough percentage of the time that uh, that she hasn't kicked me to the curb yet. So uh, so that that kind of works. Um, that so, actually I think that 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 just that statement can make a very easy jump into early childhood of unmet expectations when it comes to 
Um, I think coworker relationships or expectations of your staff or expectations of your employers, right? Things either aren't said or they're said, but they're not accurate. And so I, I really do think that if you dig down, like anytime there's conflict in, in a relationship or even just an uncomfortableness, I would I would bet dollars for donuts that most of the time it's because unmet expectations, whether whether they whether either party realizes that or not, is I think sometimes the sticking point is that you didn't even realize you had that expectation from either growing up or what you were expecting or watching too many freaking movies. Right. And especially when it comes to, I think, romantic relationships. But I'm getting so I yesterday I had kind of a situation that kind of touches on this. I want to get your take on it. So over at uh, at uh, Playhaven, myplayhaven.com, a little thing I started up. It's not it's look, I left social media and then I started my own social media. No, it's just a little <laughs> little little it's a little neighborhood for early learning people to hang out. And so so mom posts over there, mom of a three year old uh, going to to a, a child care daycare program. And they have a a sticker, a sticker based behavior economy, apparently in this program. And uh, her youngin uh, apparently doesn't get a lot of stickers. And um, apparently stickers are as, as the sticker things usually are, are compliance based. I mean, if you're an easy kid, if you're a compliant kid, you probably get a shitload of stickers. And if you have a little bit of free will and uh, an agency, you maybe don't. Um, but but her young and he'd, he'd be like watching a, a Batman uh, cartoons and he'd be like, oh, Joker's Joker's not going to get a sticker. Because uh, Joker's Joker's being bad, which which mom thought is, is, is hilarious, and and I agree. I mean, can you imagine Batman catches Joker and he's got him in uh in uh the bat lasso or got him with a batarang or something, and uh, and uh, and he says, "Hey, hey, Joker, no sticker for you," um, with the Batman voice, and that would that would be great. But and then they've got this. Uh, They've got this end of the week uh, treasure thingy bullshit oh where if you get enough stickers, then you get to get something out of the out of the treasure box. And um, and so this kid, he's not really into collecting stickers, but apparently he kind of I mean, everybody likes something out of the treasure box. Um, no, I'm thinking of the so, dentist office when I was little. I'm having fl horrible flashbacks to the. <laughs> You didn't cry while we cleaned your teeth. Go to the, get some kind of plastic chashki out of the box. I I I still as an adult, they have at my dentist. They had a drawer, and the kids were leaving right before I was, and they're they're like getting all their stuff, and I'm like, um, come on. And so I got stuff out of the drawer. It wasn't for good behavior, but but back back to that kid. I mean, he has certain expectations. He he expects he's not going to get stickers because that's just who he is. And programs that that use that bullshit are I mean, kids fall into what they expect. The the nice, quiet, easy to manage kids, the compliant kids, um, know that they're going to be sticker kids and they're going to get their Batmans or Barbie stickers or whatever. And the the non-compliant kids realize very quickly um, they don't that's fit in that I am. System. That's where I fit in. That's what it's going to be. And, and nothing ever At changes. Four. At four. Yeah. 
he's he's figured this out oh it just breaks my heart uh, it's it's just makes me absolute crazy did she say yeah. the name of the program can we go do a secret intervention you know i still well, think about that do you remember my gordon ramsay idea where we were going to go into child care centers and be like the gordon ramsay and then we were like oh you know how completely unethical that would be there would be so much crying so much crying and a parent yeah. tuned in like hey look at this it's like save the daycare let's watch this and see what it is and then we're out there's like what do you mean you have a timeout chair what do you mean you've got to and everybody be like oh god no 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 and they'd be like oh my god my kid goes to this place i still think it's a great idea but it would never work yeah, it but, would be mostly me crying. Um, I, I asked mom. If, <laughs> I asked mom if she would, uh, if if she had access to the parent handbook that she could get me because I'd love to read it. I've been. That's one thing. Um, one thing I've been doing that you you don't know about. I've I've, I've done the last year. I've started. I've I've become very very interested in policies and procedures because so many programs. I mean, if your policies and procedures aren't in order, it's very hard to have consistency in the in the program. So I collected like a hundred, it's 120 plus now collection of, of handbooks I've got, and I've gone through all of them and there's a lot of bullshit going on out there, Lisa Murphy. Um, I mean, programs that claim not to have time out, but they, they have a thing with, uh, with a, with a different name that is exactly time out, but they don't call Dude, it time out. The, the don't thinking even chair. get me started on the sexy time out where a lady the other day, she goes, oh, we don't do time out. I said, oh, really? That's fantastic. And she goes, yeah, but we have a calm down corner. Yeah, ah! yeah. <laughs> you can they Pinterest all these, it up all you want. It's still all these the euphemisms <laughs> for, 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 for I don't like what you're doing. That, get away from me right now. Oh, it, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So I've I've been I've been and working here I on... thought that while I was gone, you fixed everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, everything is still broken. And I mean that's why that's why we will always have a podcast. Always have things to talk about. So what else have you been up to? It's been a while. It has been. I did the math, like I said before we jumped on. It's it's been 14 months. The last and because I take, of course, you know, nerd, I take notes. The last time we had a podcast was in December. I don't know when it aired, but we talked about decision fatigue and your playful change challenge with your 12 things that you are going to start doing on a regular basis. And you're looking at me like you don't even remember. No, this. I remember I, I I made it. Look, the results of that were those 12 things every day. I read, I, I wrote them all down. In the course of a year, I missed two, I missed three trips to the beach. And that was everything else that you did. And that's because I had to be, that's because I had to be out of town. Um, everything else got to check in the box. So, um, did you do it for a year? Was that like a one year challenge for you? Actually, I started, I started before the new year. So I did it from sometime in December, 2022 through the end of 2023. So it was, That's it was fantastic. probably closer to 13 months. And, and, and I look at this at, okay. So for, so uh, full disclosure, so October of 22, to October of 23 was probably since my divorce, one of the, not one of, it was probably since the divorce, the worst year of my entire life. And not to get all, but it was like one thing after another. The dogs didn't get along. The dogs started fighting. I got bit by the dog. My grandma died. My mom had a stroke. Pablo's mom had a stroke after the dog 
um, bite. Then my dad died. And it was just like one thing after another. And I, I, one day I sat down and I said to the universe, cause I, I, I know you don't really all do that, he, but he I talk to the, he talk I do. To the I talked to the universe and I said, so here's the deal. I'm giving you till October. You hit me with whatever you need to hit me with, but you got one year one year. And I just kind of chalked it up to a reboot year. Uh, I, I don't know, karmically, I owed somebody something year, but I said in October of 23, that's one year. Then we need to be like, the sun is coming back out. And I, I am very grateful and gracious, not gracious. I'm grateful that that's 100% exactly what ended up happening. It was, it was a shitty year, but you know what you, you know, you, you still got to, live your life and you got to have stuff going on in the background. And I had support systems that were helping me, you know, get through all of that. And at the same time, kind of practicing what you preach, you still have to be able to be fully present with what you're doing for your nine to five. Right. So yes, I might be aware of all of that other stuff that was going on, which doesn't mean you're like an ostrich and putting your head in the sand, but it means you have to deal with it in such a way that it kind of stays in its place. If that makes sense, like I, 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 I needed it to not like impact the gigs with the exception of the dog bite when I was not able to lift anything or move my hand and had all that. And I, so I had to, I didn't cancel gigs. I still went, but I like couldn't do the hands-on piece, but thank God. This is when I say, thank God we're in the profession that we're in because if nothing else, they're flexible and they're understanding. Right. So when I had to cancel gigs after my dad died and I'm flying up to New York to be with my mom and my siblings, every single person that I reached out to was like, you get back to us when everything comes, you know, what a gracious community of people. If you're going to have a shitty year, I'm so glad that I was surrounded by people who were able to recalibrate, to make room for that, to be flexible, to be understanding. And, and then we rescheduled everything and we all got on with our lives. And, and to, to just saying thank you doesn't seem like it encapsulates the, the actual heartfelt feeling of, 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 I don't know, love that that I experienced from that. You know, I, I didn't feel like I had to be worried about rescheduling a gig because they were like, you get back to us when it's time. And, you know, and of course, and I'm me, you know, Miss Project Manager and organi organized and OCD about everything. So I had like flow charts of who needed what and what needed who and all of that. So I knew there was a system in place. So when I was ready to come back and deal with all of that, it was just going to be like clockwork. clockwork. And and that's one of the reasons why th why moving the office space was so important because I really felt like I needed that control, alt, delete, fresh start, reboot, mm -hmm. recalibrate. What are the priorities? Where do I want to be 10, 15, 20 years from now in regard to the company? And, you know, it's kind of sad, I think, that death does that. Um, and, and I think you know, and it, it, everybody has those conversations, you know, why did it take the funeral for the family to come together? You know, not in, in my situation for my particular, my dad, but, but you know, why, why does that have to happen? And, and so a lot of those thoughts and a lot of those feelings. And so that, that was a big year. And that's also one of the reasons why I applied to the second master's program, which I will probably hear acceptance, uh, 
I'm so positive um, within the next month or so. Um, it's like I needed I needed uh, uh, something different, something a challenge. I was taking and some of the listeners uh, know this because I've shared it for the last two years, but I did a two year play therapy class. I did a two year play work class uh, certification for both of those unrelated, but but both ex things for me to explore and wrap my brain around because I was getting bored. I was getting bored academically. My brain was getting bored. And so I finished those two things and I was like, I need, I need something else. And I was doing a gig in West Virginia and I flew out of Roanoke and I'm walking in. I was early for the, I didn't realize how small the airport was. I had flown into Charleston, but I was flying out of Roanoke because I'm doing a lot of work down there. And this is so silly, but I'll tell the listeners because I don't know, maybe somebody cares. I was curious as to which airport was easy to get in and out of because I'm doing a whole year of service for the McDowell County um, School um, district down there with an absolutely amazing superintendent who wants to be play focused from pre-K up. And I love her. So I'm doing a lot of work there. So it's like, which airport do I want? Which works, which works, which works. And so I flew into Charleston, flew out of Roanoke, walking in to go to my gate. And there's this big old banner, Jeff, big old banner that said, you can get a master's in children's literature. And I went, shut up. I said, I think I need to do that. And I jumped online and I just felt immediately called to action. And so I did everything. I applied. I had a meeting um, with the with the dean of the program and uh, the, the new like director of the program. And I because I said to them, I was like, hey, here's the thing. I'm 54 and I'm reading what the requirements are for this. And I'm not staying in no unair conditioned dorm room for the summer for this. And I'm not sleeping on some dorm bed. Like I had these like really kind of odd, you know, I'm older now requirements. And they're like, it's it's going to be fine. So I I, ha I asked them all of my questions. I was so very excited um, that they carved out time to kind of answer all of my specific questions. Because I was also, you know, I'm like, I, I want to do more than the one class that you let us do each time that we're together. And they're like, well, we have to get to know you first, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but this is what I wanted to say. So before we hung up the phone, the Zoom call, she was like, hey, you know, you never said how you learned about us. Like you're from Orlando. How, how? I was like, oh, dude, I was in the airport. And she goes, her face, dude, no joke. Her face lit up. She goes, you saw the banner? I said, I saw the banner. <laughs> she looked at the Dean and she was like, I told you it would be worth it. <laughs> They're like, we got one applicant because of the banner and it paid for the banner. <laughs> I guess, so, I guess, uh, I guess uh, billboards do work. Yeah, um, well, the banner, the banner works. So I, I mean, I think to, to answer your question, I've, I've been up to a lot and it's been great. And it was a very emotional up and down. And I, you know, to the listeners who did reach out to me, who are like, how come you're not on the show anymore? And I'm like, I just, I needed a break. I needed to prune some things back and, and kind of turn my lens inward. And, and when you reached back out and said, Hey, <laughs> You know, would you would you come back? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to come back. I miss the conversation. Um, I miss the bantering. I miss I miss sometimes the challenge. You know that you'll that you push me, and I and I like that. Um, yeah, listeners, that's that's Lisa Murphy saying she misses me being a dick. Uh, 
Well, and not so many words, but no, yes, but no, but no, but yes. You know what I mean? Okay, so, yeah. so, so, so following up on that, what the fuck does somebody do with a, a master's in children's literature? You, Dude, you go, I'll tell you, you why go, you go read at the library. What the hell? Well, no, I already do that. And I had, a, I had words with my library the other day, but you can make a note if you want to talk about that. But, um, no, uh, I want to be able, this is honestly, this is what, cause they asked me why, why, why do you need this? Like, you know, when they, they said you have to you know, submit a writing sample. And I said, well, do you want me to just send you the book? You know, and their mouth fell open. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I just, you know, give me what you want. I said, I want to be able to speak more critically, not in a negative way, but I wanted to, I want to speak more. I want the language that helps me articulate why when I read one book, I'm like, oh my God, this is a fantastic book. And when I read another book, I'm like, this book sucks. And I need something more than this book sucks and this is good. I want more than that. And and that is what I'm hoping to get from, from it. I also, I'm not gonna lie to you, I had a weird fantasy and not one of your weird fantasies. I had a Lisa Murphy weird nerd fantasy that before I died, I wrote the Sunday New York Times children's book review. And oh. yeah. Well, so well, there's something for everybody to look forward to. <laughs> so that that was kind kind of a, a I don't know, that's probably just ego. But, you know, I would I would love to know that I was at a point that I could speak eloquently and write about it in in depth to maybe potentially turn people on to different kinds of children's literature um, sure. I've always been passionate about the literature. I didn't even know that this existed, you know? I mean, sometimes in, you know, deep, dark in the middle of winter, I'm like, you know, I so could have been a children's librarian. Like that would have been totally up <laughs> my alley. Only in the, only in the deep, dark, <laughs> darkness of winter, you think that? Well, you know, like, cause I love what I do, right? I'm I'm not, I, I'm, and I feel very great, very uh, fortunate you know, that I'm not like some people who are, wish they could be doing something else. I absolutely love what I do. So it's very rare that I ever let my brain kind of go down that rabbit hole of what else would I be happy doing? And that is, um, uh, you know, the top, the top five list, definitely probably children's librarian in a, yeah, that would be, that would be something I, I could do. Oh, what if when you have to open your own library. Um, no, I, if I if I lived, if I could walk around with my laptop. I, I think I could. I didn't. I had no clue how many children's books I had till I pulled them all out of storage. They are all now sitting in the other room here in the office. And I'm like, I could have a library. I could have a lending library right here. <laughs> I I think um, from from my conversations with actual children's librarians, what you end up dealing with is a lot of. Uh, uh, homeless people and and addicts. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, that is true. And the, all those yeah. years I was working at the Indianapolis Library, um, I you know, bore witness to it. You know, almost every single time we did a a gig there, and how they're getting trained on um, what's the not like the Narcan. They, their yep. librarians are now their professional development consists of a lot of that, and not curating book collections, but how to save the person who's, you know, ODing in the kids section. Well, I, I hope you get, I hope that's part of your program. That'll, that'll come in handy. That'll be great. We'll see. I mean, I think the, the I, I'm not putting any expectations on it. I, I mean, it is something I'm doing 
Um, and I, and I need to acknowledge that, you know, I, I feel very fortunate and blessed that I can pursue something like that because I want to, you know, sure. because I think that I need it for my job or not because I'm looking to change career paths, but you know, it's something I'm curious in and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also very much, um, uh, counting my chickens before they hatch, you know, I, I mean, I feel confident that I'll get accepted, but you know, I could get a no letter. I mean, that'd be a good podcast too. So I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it too, because I'm, I'm essentially lazy and uh, I can glean what you learn um, from, from hearing you talk about it without having to do any actual work. So um, I'm looking forward to, to, to us doing this master's program together too. Um, <laughs> Well, that's that's been a fun thing along the way is with the certification programs in the play work and the play therapy is like that's one of the projects that I want to pursue is, OK, what what did I learn from these two courses that could impact my work in disseminating information to the early childhood community? What what are some of the highlights that I learned from that? And then, you know, and then that creative process, is that a workshop? Is it an article? Is it a book? You know, like how how would that information be of service to the people who do the frontline work every mm -hmm. every day and one of the things that i explored and played with during covid was writing papers and then having a workshop where essentially i read the paper and like did anecdotal evidence and not anecdotal evidence what's the word annotated so like i'd read the paper riff for a little bit improv right read the room questions comments but then i got the information out that way um and and so that's that's what i'm thinking will end up happening with the play work and the play the play therapy piece and then maybe maybe some kind of a workshop or presentation for like tasp you know the association for the study of play that it mm -hmm. might be a little more of an because i think in those venues too the reading of a paper as opposed to like doing a workshop is something that audience is more accustomed to, if that makes sense. Like you're not really going to a NACI conference to see somebody presenting or they don't often do that. Or there's a whole research track where they're like presenting the highlights from their research or reading a paper or highlights. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I can't wait to, to, to learn more about it. It should be a fun adventure for Lisa fucking Murphy. Well, thank you. I feel like I was on a soapbox there, like filling everybody in. Now I feel like I need to ask you, now what have you been up to? <laughs> and not much uh, going to the beach and hanging out with the dogs. That's a uh, look know, at the 12th list. You've been flossing. You've been, I've been stretching. Flossing. I've been, I, I, I've been, uh, I, I've been, I've been squatting and deadlifting a lot too. So, That's uh, awesome. um, yeah, yeah. Listeners, drinking water. Listeners, uh, drinking water. Listeners know way too much what Jeff's been up to. Um, that's that's tragic too. Um, this here, this here has been the Child Care Bar and Girl Podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that wants you to go out and do something just because you can. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.